I'm a black man. I'm from DC. I'm from the mud, right? So in certain parts of the city that I'm walking in, my demeanor is different, right? Because it, it starts to kind of devolve back into, you know what I'm saying, who I used to be or who I was. And so I mean, it's, it just, it's going to take work to, to change that, to break us down. fact I actually didn't know until recently. The title of nonprofit comes with a complicated legacy that intertwines with the checkered past of America itself. But the reassurance I have in the nonprofit space comes from founders and organizers like my guest today, Ron Tolles, the founder of the Philadelphia-based nonprofit Ordinary Heroes. OH is an organization focused on community building and engagement with a focus in the neighborhoods of Philly. The organization has been going strong for 10 years already and consistently is connecting with communities in a way that's both genuine and long lasting. This focus on community comes from Ron himself and his experience of growing up in Northeast DC and seeing firsthand the importance of close knit bonds between community members. Our conversation today dives into Ron and his beginnings, how he decided to create and build OH as well as how the past few decades have molded him to who he is today as a man, a leader, and a father. Yeah, no problem. No, no problem at all. I, I mean, I didn't know that you were, um, uh, you and your fiance were, were, you know, were, were, were planning the, the, the wedding. That's pretty exciting, yeah. <laughs> first of all. So. I know you've probably been, I mean, between the work that you do, just like your regular work and that, like that's basically, you basically just took on a part-time job. Pretty much. Maybe a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I typically leave the decisions to her and I just, I'm her yes man. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, how they do when you, you're signing a contract? It's like, okay, sign here and sign pretty here much. and sign here and sign here. It's pretty like, much. all right, cool. We're good to go. They call me in a room when it's time to cut the check. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but before we get into, because obviously this is primarily going to center around um, OH and, and the work that you're doing there, of course. But before we we go into into that a little bit more deeply, I kind of want to know more about your kind of kind of your story a little bit. I, I, I'm not sure if I told you this when we initially had talked, but um, you know, from from hearing from you from mutual friend Jeffrey. Um, you know, you're kind of like a man of mystery a little bit. Even when I tried to look you up online, I was kind of like, man, <laughs> I, he's, he's, he's like the man behind this, this really cool movement. I'm trying to find more information on him. There's not a lot of, there's not too much out there. You keep yourself, um, you, you keep yourself to yourself. It seems like, uh, for, for the most part. Um, so can you just tell me like a little bit more generally how you grew up, where you grew up, where you're from? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so I'm originally from Washington, DC, you know, shout out to the 202. And uh, I grew up with my, I originally started living with my, with my mother, but then some, with some issues there, I grew up with my grandfather. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I grew up as a kind of typical young black kid in the hood, you know what I'm saying? Um, I didn't learn how to read time. What was part of DC did you grow up in? Southeast and Northeast, spent a little bit of time in both. Okay. Um, but I call it Northeast home because it's my grandfather's house is. Um, so yeah, I, I actually didn't learn how to read till I was in eighth grade. Um, 
Um, so it was an interesting. I mean, you can imagine those first years up until eighth grade, just kind of the type of kid I was in school um, because I had some difficulty uh-huh. uh, with like pr- pronouncing words and things like that. And so the the support wasn't there educationally. Um, so I just chalked it until um, the eighth grade. The teacher actually picked up that my behavior was tied to the fact that I was trying to be a distraction from reading. Um, and so she taught me how to read. So life, I can say, got a little bit better from there. But yeah, so, you know, I, I try to just stay low. You know what I'm saying? That's why I might not be a ton of ball, man. I just try to stay low and do the work. But uh, yeah, DCS, them streets, uh, they raised me. And I feel like D.C. is an interesting city, at least for me, from my perspective, because I always thought because I, I mostly grew up in Philadelphia. And I think when you grow up in a city, you kind of think your city is like the most city there is out there. Right. Like, no, like, yeah, like we're the top, like nothing gets like better than this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I've heard a lot of positive things about um, about D.C. as like a, on a on a holistic kind of um, level. But I, I guess if you're talking about some of the rougher areas in D.C., I've also heard some interesting stuff about that too. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I guess um, yeah, I, I know you kind of went to, to eighth grade, and that's kind of where you had that that transformational experience of you know learning how to read in a in a um, a, a more serious fashion. Um, but I, I guess prior to that, just you know, growing up and and living around that area, different people you're interacting with, like. Uh, do you remember kind of those times at all or, or any kind of formative moments for you during those 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 uh th- those years? Yeah, I mean and I mean you kind of spoke to it. DC has a has a very interesting exchange within the city. Um so you have Capitol Hill, you have politics, you have Right. Um you know, you have a very diverse cultural scene, right? And then you have uh people who don't know where the next meal is coming from not too far away. Um, so, I mean, mm-hmm. as of last year, two years ago, there were like three or four tent communities around the White House, you know, so it's a very interesting city dynamic. Um, but for me, I think <clears throat> the thing that the city taught me, um, it's just how important community is. Uh, I can really say that I learned the importance of community I learned how to operate in community, the safety of community, um, the dangers of being in the wrong community by growing up in D.C. Um, So even when I went to, I ultimately went to school at Temple, but the first school I went to was a a small HBCU called St. Paul's College. And even when I went from, um, started there my freshman year, the uh, my classmates and, 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 and my dorm mates, a lot of them were from D.C. or the DMV area, and they all had that same type of sense, the same type of importance of community um, and just being aware of, uh, of like who you are and having a community that can just kind of uplift you and keep you there. So, I mean, whether it was not learn, not knowing how to read from, you know, kindergarten to eighth or um, trying to figure out how to improve my situation, um, growing up in poverty from eighth grade up until college, I can say that um, I never, I did, I never not understood the importance of having people around you who can build you up and keep you there. So um, that's what I can. That's yeah. You know, I love DC. Yeah, and and to to what you said to to at the very beginning. 
it, it you know it is kind of crazy because you're like wow the nation's capital this is probably supposed to be the cleanest you know lowest poverty rate yeah. highest employment rate you know whatever like the cream of the crop basically right. um and but it's it, you know it's not always going to be that um especially when you're talking about even now today in 2023 uh you know 10 communities around the white house of all places right. like that's that's a very stark contrast you know just just picturing that in my mind's eye um, well you know our best but, mayor you know, our best mayor in dc uh was you know he was a cracker he, he he smoked dope, you know, uh, Mary, Mayor Marion Barry. And he got, we elected him. Uh, we found out that he was um, smoking dope. He got locked up. He got out. We elected him again. So DZ <laughs> has, you know, has a very, again, it's just a very interesting dynamic. Um, but I, I, yeah. I think it speaks to the people that live there. Like I, like I said, I, I mm-hmm. really was able to really grasp reality being there. Right. And understanding yeah. the haves and have nots. And even though I was a part of the have nots, um, my grandfather made a very intentional effort to let me know that I can be a part of the haves, like that there is a there's a bridge that I can make there. Um, so and then again, you can see, I think Philly, to some degree, is just like a larger D.C. Um, but D.C., because it's so small, yeah. the the segregation is, is you can really tell it. Right. It's, it's really pronounced. Yeah. Um, whereas Philly, it's you're kind of driving from one side of Philly to the other and slowly but surely it turns into something that you're not used to seeing. But D.C. is kind of <laughs> really immediate. So, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have as much um, middle ground in, in between, I guess. It's just like, you know, this is a separation. This is this is what this is. This is what this sure. is. And, you know, you kind of hop around like that. Um, but, you, you know, it's it, and I think, you know, to that mayor story that you were just saying, I probably also showed you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that people aren't, you know, people are kind of dynamic. People have multiple dimensions to them, sure. um, you know, even though they might identify as this on the outside or, or put on this, um, you know, to this appearance to the rest of the world. Um, it, it might be some things going on underneath, uh, which kind of make them a, a little bit more different of a person. And, you know, it could be as, as something as stark as a mayor smoking dope or, you know, just somebody else having, you know, uh, something a little bit more minor. But um, when it came to going to college, actually, um, you know, this is also kind of like an interesting phase because a lot of people, you know, even if you are in the, the quote unquote haves, for instance, you know, a lot of people still don't go to college and they decide, you know, they're going to go in a different direction with their life. So. What ultimately, if, if you remember, what made you want to, to go to college? Was, was your grandfather pushing you to go to college? Were you pushing yourself to go to college? Uh, it was sports. You know, I went to, I went to college for basketball. Oh, okay. Um, so, I, I'm, so I played uh, high school when I was younger. Um, but, you know, at the time, college wasn't, uh, I guess... I guess it's the same for a lot of these kids now. College for me wasn't an educational thing. It was a it was a next stage to get to the NBA, as you know, as a lot of young black men have. Oh, you were a hooper, hooper. Yeah, yeah, I was balling to get to the league. Yeah, so um, okay, I'm a little older now, but I you know I can still you know say do a couple things or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so yeah, so that's really what got me to that to that that level, and then. Right. Once I came to Philadelphia, went to Temple University, um, things kind of branched out. And I, I started to see shades of people that I had never seen before. Um, like I said before, mm-hmm. um, St. Paul was an HBCU. So I went, to, I went to college with the same type of folks that I went to school with back in D.C. So 
Absolutely. Then being exposed to, to different people, having conversations that I thought I'd never have, um, allow yeah. me allow the world to open up beyond basketball. But yeah, it, it first it just started as a hoop dream to get out the hood, you know, as they say. <laughs> classic story, classic yeah. classic story. Um, what um what position did you play? I was a two. You know what I'm saying? Scoring all day. Okay, shooting guard makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so now going to college and, you know, kind of having some of those interactions that, um, that, that you were mentioning, did it, I mean, and, and I guess this is, I'm wondering what like time-wise or when time-wise did this happen? Did a seed of like, okay, I want to work with different people in whatever fashion that worked, like did working with people start to, to go into your mind then of like, okay, maybe that's something I can do other than playing basketball. Like maybe I have something, something over here as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, my grandfather was, he was really a, a steward for his community, right? So he's at, mm. he would be at the hospice with somebody who's transitioning at the end of their life. He's at the grocery store buying food. Mind you, this is, he isn't uh, making, you know, a bunch of money. He's just doing what he can because he really believed in supporting, uh, his neighbors and, and his community. So mm. I grew up with that sense. Again, I grew up with the idea of community. Okay. So it's interesting that um, for me, and I, and I, and I suspect for a, a lot of people out there, there are certain kind of values yeah. and ide- ideologies that we grow up with that we don't even realize are like part of something larger. We just like, everybody's not like, this isn't, this just isn't the thing, you know? So when I was in temple, St. Paul was a very, uh, it was a, a, in the rural part of, um, southern part of uh, Virginia. So it was, the town had one stop sign, one stop light. So, you know, you kind of picture what that is. Yeah. Um, the hot wow. spot to go to was the <laughs> McDonald's. You know, everybody was at the McDonald's. So, man. Okay. <laughs> so you kind of picture what that looked like. So um, coming to Philly, being back in the city, kind of that idea of being a productive part of community. Um, was reborn in me. Um, so I started with, there was a, there is still a community center right behind Temple. Um, and so I would, I would uh, volunteer there. And then I went back to Temple and I asked if I could get some of the computers that they were um, trashing at the time. So they had a computer recycling program. So I got a couple of those, I fixed them up yeah. and I took them to the recycling, I mean the the rec center so that the kids can have some computers to work on. So, I mean, but it was just a natural part. Um, so I thinking about like community service and things like yeah. that, I, it wasn't, uh, I, it just, I didn't, I felt like I was just being what I thought everybody should be. Right. Um, it wasn't until much later that I right. turned that into something more focused. That's wow. That's, that's, that's really interesting because um, I mean, it was basically the point that you said of that you don't realize kind of these things that, you know, kind of like a tapestry that make up your being. Um, and you realize that's different from somebody else's. Um, but to hear that, that's what kind of what your grandfather was doing. And he just took that as like a matter of fact that this is something that he should do. I mean, you're obviously going to kind of take after that. And, and looking back now, I assume, you, um, you know, maybe it, like you were saying at the time, you didn't realize that or that influence that he had on you. But looking back now, um, in terms of formative figures in your life, I guess your grandfather is probably like, you know, top of the list, if not 
near the top of the list. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he uh, it was just the way that he lived his life, right? And I think for yeah. young black men who don't have um, like a father figure in their life, um, yeah, um, or who do have a father figure, but it, it, he's not somebody that you should model yourself after, right? Trying to figure out who you are, um, trying to figure out identity in this world, and then uh, especially growing up in an environment where people that look like you may not always be doing the right things, right? Or or, or trying to climb the ladder, um, but are very like resentful about it and things like that. It's, it, you know, it's difficult. So my grandfather, it was him being that way. He was just very different from what I was what I was used to when I was living with my mother. Um, he was very different from what I'm used to now as an adult. Uh, so he was very sure <laughs> yeah. about, and I think it's just that it was that generation, that generation that was what, two generations away from slavery, you know, removed from slavery. Um, and just their, their understanding of, we may not have a lot, but if we come together, we have so much more. Uh, and that just kind of mm-hmm. goes back to the community piece in DC and how that taught me. So I grew up in it. I grew up in, you got bread, I got peanut butter. So together we can make a sandwich, you know? So uh, my grandfather definitely raised me. He still raised me. I mean, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he still raised me. Mm-hmm. He, st- he still raised me. Yeah, I, I don't, and yeah, you know, as you've gotten older, probably, and you know, have a, a family of your own, you probably realize this as well. But it's not, um, you know, it, it, it's 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 wonderful to have people like that in your life that you can look back and say, wow, like that is the effect that they've had on me, and the lessons that they taught me of like when I was like, you know, five, <laughs> they still ring true today now, as you know, you know, some in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, whatever. Um, and, and what you said at the end, he's still raising you. That's, I mean, that's a great point. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone kind of needs at least one person like that in their life, whether you have it when you're younger, whether you get it when you're older, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a privilege to have someone like that in your life at any point uh, to, to kind of help to help guide your path a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so so moving to Philadelphia, going to Temple, starting to to, to do some things um, in and around the, the greater Philadelphia area. Um, uh, what year did you graduate? Uh man, we gonna you gonna put me on the spot like that? No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> two thousand four. Uh, actually, two thousand six. Okay. I'm sorry, two thousand six. Yeah. Okay. So you graduated two thousand six. What was the uh? What, <laughs> just a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, what was the uh? What was the next step? Uh, so in the midst of that, I ended up um having my my first daughter, um and. That was an interesting uh, trajectory because so I have seven sisters, of two brothers. It's ten of us. Oh wow! Yeah, it's ten of us. Um, so when I came to Philly, being away from that, I just kind of really enjoy like not being responsible. I'm second oldest, not being responsible for anybody but myself. Then here comes this little girl. It is nice. Yeah, it's very nice. It's very nice. <laughs> so then here comes this little girl, um, and so I think the community sense that I already had, like instilled in me, started to mix with um, 
kind of a more whole, more well-rounded, like I, I started to become more well-rounded because I, I had somebody who was looking at me and I had to be a bit more intentional about the type of person I was going to be. So I already had like, yeah. I already had understood the importance of doing community work. Um, even if I might not have called it that back then, but I understood the importance of community. Right. But now I was like, okay, it's great to do things out there, but how am I living my life in my home? Right. What type of person am, am I becoming? And that really started to to shape eventually where I would go with Ordinary Heroes. Gotcha. Wow, that's that's amazing. So I think to um you know, I, everything I guess you could say is is formative. Everything is building you in one For way sure. or the other or, or teaching in one way or the other. Yeah. But uh I, and I, and you know, this is what I'm gonna get into next, but um, it seems like the the birth of of your your daughter kind of like maybe that was like the missing piece I guess to kind of you know maybe spur you in that direction um, of of starting OH is is that correct in saying or? yeah for sure I mean my faith had a big part of it uh, part in it hmm. but um, serving in my community right kind of a, just like a an instilled belief was just that it was just serving right right it was connections being made but it was just serving. But my daughter now being into this world, I have a, a vested interest in what's happening in this world, right? Yeah. Not just what's happening yeah. over there or over. So um, <laughs> so what I would do, like I look back on the on the work that I've done. I kind of started a campaign to raise money to build wells in Africa, right? Which is a, it was just dope, right? Mm -hmm. But my cool, daughter yeah. isn't in Africa, right? So I started to like, and, and God bless him, right? And God bless the people who do that work. But again, like it started to narrow my focus and make me more intentional about like, okay, what is happening here that my, my, my skills, my resources, my talents can be used for to help my daughter grow up into a better world. Um, and if she ever goes to Africa, we'll build a well in Africa. We got a well right, over there. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, like educationally, I don't, she, she, uh, in her early years of education, she struggled with reading the same way I did. Right. Wow. So okay. again, it's just like, I'm looking at her and I'm like, okay, what can I do to ease that path? As all parents, you know, tend to do, we look and say, okay, each generation should be better than the next. So, so yeah, so that really, it, it, she really helped me get to that place of being more intentional about my my footprint on this earth, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and then that led to the OE. Right, like it, it kind of focusing you in a little bit more. Sure. Um, whereas uh, whereas before maybe you were a little bit um, kind of expanded, and you you kind of start to to narrow down focus. And to you you brought up an interesting point, and I think about this all the time actually. Um, when it comes to making an effect on the people around you, the community that you're in. Um, and, and I love the example that you used of like building a well in Africa, um, because obviously, you know, all across the world, really any country, continent, whatever, um, there's going to be someone in need, someone that you probably could help if you put enough intention sure. in there. But then the question becomes like, okay, where do I start? Where do I dig in? What, like, what is my responsibility in the first place to dig into? Right. Um, and I think some people kind of struggle finding that. Uh, but it's, it's pretty amazing that, you know, that your daughter kind of helped to, to ground you a little bit. Uh, but just to, to dive into that question, um, and obviously it's going to kind of spin off into to get into OH. When it comes to, and, and this is just um, a question I want to get your opinion on. When it comes to people helping communities outside of 
of their own. Let's even say if you're, you're, you're someone who you want to focus on in and around kind of like the greater Philadelphia area, like this is just kind of where you live. Um, what do you think is a good hallmark or, or a good benchmark to say like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the work here. I'm, I'm doing what I can here. When is there a specific time that you think that you can start expanding to, to other areas or, or growing that? And yeah, I know you, you obviously you, you're, you're part of this organization and I'm not sure if you've you know, kind of thought of this for, for yourself and for, for what you guys are doing, but when do you think is the right time to start stepping outside of your direct area and start doing some things on a larger scale or maybe in different areas? You know, I think, um, I think anybody doing, trying to do the work, trying to improve the world that they live in. Yeah. I think that that's a, that should be a constant conversation that they're having um, mm. because it's going to look different for different people, different for different organizations. So, um, so for instance, Project Home, which is in Philadelphia, Project Home, yep. um, and I've, we've, I've had a lot of conversation with their leadership. Project Home cool. has committed themselves to eradicating homelessness in Philadelphia. They have, right. they have had and have more than enough opportunities to expand their work into, into Pennsylvania and, and, and really nationally. Um, but because they are so focused on that mission for Philadelphia, that's what they're doing, right? And then there's some other, you, some other nonprofits that you see that are national and global. Um, so I, I think it really, de- it really depends on the goals that you have set um, for your organization and what feels right. Um, and, and again, I think one person making that call is a mistake because before my daughter was born monday i'm waking up in this building wells in africa tuesday i'm waking up and we're doing some stuff in el salvador like you know what i'm saying so one person can be so i think you need like um just a a trusted kind of counsel to kind of figure out like when should we move to the next point but i do think before expansion to the next neighborhood to the next city state whatever happens I do think that there should be uh, a real measurable impact where you are or else you're just doing things to do things. Right. Um, So, and I I put a lot of value on helping one person, helping two people, helping a hundred. Right. But I'm talking about like real measurable impact. So if, if an organization is asking for money to expand their mentoring program, um, to another state and only mentor like two people, three kids, whatever, yeah. you know? So, and, that, and that's, it's interesting you ask that because that's, that's actually a problem in, in the, I feel like a problem in the nonprofit world. People are trying to expand yeah. too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, um, and, and, you know, then we can kind of get back on track here, but to that point, I think um, expansion and this, and we're going to get into this later too of, uh, nonprofits that maybe have that moniker, but maybe don't embody kind of the spirit behind that. Um, but to, to, to kind of focus on this, I think for some nonprofits or just for some businesses overall, you know, the expansion looks good. Expansion, sure. um, you know, looks impressive. You, you have a footprint in 16 different states right. or whatever you can put on your, your website and that type of thing. Um, but then similar to what you're saying, it's, 
you know, what type of impact are you having in those different 16 states? It's like, okay, maybe in three, you're really doing something, right. but in the other 13, you're kind of, we're there, you know, we're, <laughs> we're budding, but uh, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, fragmented. Um, so you're right. I think you're right in terms of a decision-making process. That's a, that's a great point, but uh, getting to, to ordinary heroes um, and kind of the, the true start of that, can you kind of walk me through what it was like, you know, coming up with this organization and the name in the first place and then starting to, to kind of build out the team? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, <sighs> started, I was driving to work. Um, we're all great things start when all... the car rides to work. <laughs> it's a lot of good ideas. You come up in that car, yeah, I'm telling sure. you. Um, it's ideas and car karaoke. Those are the great things about driving to work. Um, so Absolutely. I was driving to work, and um, the night bef- before, I had I was talking to a couple of my friends about, um, just a couple of educators, about some of the inadequacies in, in, in um, secondary education and higher education. Um, and so I'm driving to work. I was just reminiscing. I was thinking about the conversation that I had, and I'm thinking, yeah, it was such a good conversation, which led me to yeah. to realize I know a lot of like people, right? I, well, not a lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot of people who who are trying to do some good stuff, right? So I just started to think about like, well, what is my impact? What do I want to focus on? Um, and it caused me to think like, hey, I'm going to start. Kind of, it just kind of came to me. I'm going to start an organization where ordinary people can realize that they can make an extraordinary difference regardless of what their educational background is. It's as long as you're willing to be a part of the conversation about what we can do, right? And then show up to those actions, we can make significant change. Um, so the idea was built before the name and then uh, the name came because, you know, I just, I'm like, we just ordinary people, ordinary heroes, and ordinary heroes, and it's kind of stuck. But to be honest, um, <laughs> when I first came up with ordinary, the name Ordinary Heroes, I didn't like it, right? And I was using it <laughs> because I just, you know what I'm saying? I didn't like the idea of calling myself Too cliche? Hero. Yeah, yeah, you know? So, um, but then I, when I- when Not I, all heroes wear capes. <laughs> right, right. So, and I actually, <laughs> to that point, I actually have a hoodie and um, it says, you know, no capes, no superpowers, you know, for their heroes. So, you know, just playing on that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, um, but we dropped the, we dropped the Y, I dropped the Y at the end of Ordinary and added the IE because I wanted to focus on like, okay, look, we can joke about the name or whatever, but the, the true essence behind it is that everybody is enough. So the IE stands for I'm enough. So um, mm. the next day, uh, two of my uh, two of my friends who are educators. Uh, we had our first OH meeting, um, and in typical Ron, what year is this? Just for context, uh, this was 2014. This was yeah, 2014. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, 2013. 2013. 13. Okay. And then, in typical Ron fashion, when we started to talk about what Ordinary Heroes was going to do. We back to building wells in Africa. We just we all over the place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not literally building wells in Africa, but we were just kind of all over the city and touching. Right, the right. So um, when we first started out, Ordinary Heroes was basically a community service organization. What good can we do around the city? Which was dope, right? Which is real cool. But we quickly learned uh, two things. One, 
that most people didn't realize that they could make an impact, right? They were just like, oh, what church are you from? Or what? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's an organization, uh, but don't get it twisted. Like you can make the same impact as well, right? Uh, yeah. And then the second thing was that we didn't want to do community service, right? Something kind of real transactional, but we really wanted to build relationships and in those relationships, uh, create change. So I, I really believe in the transformative power between two people and between a group of people, if, if the relationships are authentic. So we had to narrow down or I had to narrow down and get away from just real transactional. And I'm not talking about coat drives, but just kind of a coat drive essentially is people come, they drop off their coats, then they leave. And then the people who need the coats come and then they leave and there's no interaction, right? No engagement. So we, sure. we moved away from community service to, to community engagement and really became intentional about like building those bridges in the community. How can we help before we do programs? Let's go door to door and knock on doors. What do you think this we need in this community? Youth are, um, are getting the education they need. Would this be helpful? Would that be helpful? And through those conversations and kind of town hall meetings with uh, the communities that we were in, um, we built, we built it up. So we started in West Philly, um, but we kind of naturally shifted to North Philly. Um, and that's where we, that's where we are now. Interesting. Um, and there's, 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 I think there's a lot there, um, to, to kind of dive into, but the the first thing that kind of, um, kind of, I guess, pinged in my head is the importance of being a connector of people. Mm. I think about this sometimes, too. I'm sure a lot of people uh, do as well, because everybody says this and one guy's another like, man, you know, these two people should really meet if they ever met or if we <laughs> ever got together. We could really do something. Right. And whether it's, you know, a, a nonprofit organization doing good work or just like a business idea, everybody has ideas of, you know, if, if me, me and or me, him and, and them over there came together, like we could do something great. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's something different to actually reach out to those people and you know bring it all together and then start something. You know that's for a lot of people. I think that's the hardest part. <laughs> Maybe if they did start, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> they just right. kind of talk about it, but never actually do it. Um, so so there's there's that piece of it. I think that's really important. Um, and props to you for for taking the initiative to do that. But and and you but also to that point, you brought up another great point of between the people that you're actually helping. That kind of you know one and done mentality when it comes to to doing good work and you know code drives are great of course yeah you know, it, it is you know solving a problem or, or aiming to solve a problem it's better than doing nothing for sure right, right. but um when it comes to i guess ma making a, a, a and and this is kind of to, to what we were talking about before a long-term sustained impact on a certain place with a certain uh, you know group of people in a certain neighborhood et cetera et cetera you know drilling down and, and getting getting to the people it's uh, themselves which obviously kind of create uh, the quote unquote problems or, or that's where you have to to go to to solve those issues um yeah I think that's a lot of uh, that's something that I think is lost on a lot of um people who mean well mm. you know even I, I think that people are trying to do the right thing or are trying to do what they think is a is a good thing for those around them but ultimately I think sometimes those efforts um not to say that they fall short, but they might not have as as pronounced as an impact as they could have had if they, you know, kind of went to that extra layer deeper or dug that little extra deeper um, into what it would take to, to make a sustainable change. Sure. Um, yeah. And to to that point of because, uh, you know, even people who who've 
started nonprofit organizations probably haven't learned that yes that lesson yet, but you learned it kind of at the at the very beginning. Was there anything you know wh- whether it was you or some of the other people you were working with, you know, how did that kind of come up in in conversation? Was that kind of something you brought to it, or someone brought to you to say, you know, hey, this is this is maybe how we want to look at doing things? Yeah, I mean, again, I before ordinary heroes, um, you know, I was. I was trying to do good work. I, I think I was doing good work. It was a bit scattered. Um, then my daughter came in mm-hmm. and it made it very personal, right? It made me more intentional about looking at it. So when Ordinary Heroes started, um, my bro- I was so excited about the possibility of, of doing this work at kind of a larger scale and not by myself that I kind of forgot yeah. like that personal touch. And I think it was yeah. um, one of our first uh, events that we did, something called Movie Fest. So Movie Fest was strictly, we don't, nobody has to do anything. You just, the community comes, we show, we're showing movies during the summer for free. We have free food, cool. um, free arts and crafts if people don't want to watch the movie. And um, uh, at the end of the movie, we'll talk a little bit about maybe some lessons that kids can take away from the movie. Um, sure. And in that, right, and this was just, a, I hadn't, we hadn't reached out to the community to see if they wanted it or whatever, but it was basically like a family fun day. <laughs> but yeah. what happened is my daughter was there, right? She was having fun. She was, Dad, this is great. Can you watch? Can we watch this movie next time? And I'm thinking, yo, I didn't ask anybody about the movie choice we did this time. Like, so I Yeah, right. She 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 began to that experience with her and with the other kids and people there began to reel me back in to be like, look, this needs to be intentionally personable, right? If this is gonna work. Um, because we could be doing a bunch of family fun days and they'd be successful in terms of like attendance or something like that because it's free stuff. Sure. But in terms of impact, of course. it's not going to be as, you know, so, um, so it's really, a, a uh, just kind of the, the thought evolved, the more we were out and just engaging and saying like, Hey, um, if we're really going to be impactful, they, the community needs to be a, a part of these conversations. Um, and again, and it goes back yeah. to my grandfather and the things that he did in his community. Um, and they were very specific to the people that he knew because he spent that time. That's another key point right there. Who else is better equipped to tell you what they need than the person who who is in that neighborhood, who is in that community that you're trying to kind of enter into and, and make a change in? For sure. Um, you know, you kind of have to listen to those people um, and, and have them be have a seat at the table if you ever want to make any sustained change like what you're talking about. Yeah. And one thing I, I think and I, I this conversation has reinstilled it, but you know, from what I've, I've looked up into to OH and the type of things that you guys do, there's also a, a, a major focus on empowerment mm. as well. It's not, you know, we're going to come in and, you know, we're just going to change everything and then we're going to leave and go off and, and, you know, build wells in Africa or, <laughs> or do whatever else we got to do. Right. You know, it's kind of like to, to the point of, of, of doing sustained good. It's like, OK, we're going to give you the lessons or we're going to help you find the lessons or, or have the tools or be able to create your own tools that you need to to go off and be a to, to be a catalyst for change in your little area or, or somewhere else. Um, 
you know, was that kind of that, that focus on empowerment? Did that start early too, you know, in terms of like mentorship and, and those type of things? Um, no, uh, again, that, that kind of came as we were doing the work. And one thing that people used to ask Mm -hmm. me all the time, excuse me, is what was my five-year plan for ordinary girls, which I, I think I hate that question. Um, and, I'm glad I didn't ask it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 questions like those, and I understand. I, I definitely understand. You know what they're getting at. Sure. But sometimes people can get uh, whether it's their own focus or whether it's somebody asking those type of questions. People can get so focused on five years or whatever that they miss being present in that moment. And and again that's what's going to get you to five years down the road so even in a business model you know you ask a, somebody who's in it to make money what's your five-year goal that's great but if they're so consumed with the five-year goal and they're not good at customer service in the moment they're never going to reach that five-year goal right and so right. we were very good at being present in the moment and it was through that maybe year and a half two years that i realized uh one we no matter how big we may get, we'll never be able to do it by ourselves, right? Uh, and then two, something that you, you mentioned, um, if we are um, engaging communities for however long we're engaging them and never able to like kind of pull back some of our services, then what are we really doing? So it's kind of like that, um, teach a man a fish, feed him for a day, give a man a fish, feed him for a lifetime, right? So at some point, when are we gonna, as an organization, start teaching people how to fish, start helping people, inspiring people to learn how to fish, right? Or to gather food in, you know, in another way right. so that they can then begin to change their own station. Um, so we we have a bunch of dope stories about people who come and say, you know, always help them do this, always help them do that, and whatnot. And it's great, um, but I think we take our pride in seeing people improve their situation and then go off and do, you know, whatever it is they're going to do. So, um, and that's, yeah. and that's the work that they did. We just created opportunities. Um, so yeah, so right. for us, empowerment is huge. Mentorship is paramount. So, yeah. And that's, you know, it's when you think about what is fulfilling, um, you know, helping someone or, or doing some type of, of good act. It's, it is great, you know, in the moment of like, I just gave this person a hundred dollars or I just did, you know, whatever of that, that quick kind of, you know, transactional interaction was. But what's really cool is once that person comes to you, you know, 10 years later, you're already out of their life. You've been out of their life for, you know, who, who knows how long and they just went and did whatever. Yeah. And they come back and say, wow, you know, here's what I'm doing now. I was able to, to do something else in this area and maybe give back in this way. Um, just because of that one, that one little thread that you, you, you gave me however, however long ago, you know, to me, you know, not to say that you're, you know, comparing one method versus the other, but to me, that kind of seems more uh, impactful when you're talking about people going off and, and being able to resonate in, in other ways themselves. Yeah. You know, that's how you, I think you maybe kind of build a lot of momentum there um, a, a, as well. Um, but one thing I, I wonder too, um, when, it, when it comes to, to starting an organization, nonprofit or otherwise, and I just kind of want to get your opinion on this. Uh, you know, you kind of had an, uh, somewhat of an idea of like, hey, you'd be cool to, to kind of do this thing. 
um, when it when it came to, to you know actually building it, building like an infrastructure uh, for, for what you guys were going to do from from organizing individual events uh, to, you know, maybe building partnerships, that type of thing. You know, how did it how did it work from uh, a leadership perspective? Did, were you kind of more of like, a all right, let's get together as like a, a as a group and maybe vote on different decisions? Were you kind of uh, more like you were kind of guiding things and, and you, know, you kind of got input from others? How did you how do you kind of think about leadership in those early days? Uh, in those early days, uh, I, well, I, I can honestly say I'm a better leader now than I was then. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. In those early ten years ago, right? Uh, in those early days, I mean, even now, I wake up with probably ten different ideas. What? Maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do that. And, um, and my brain just starts going. Um, so back then, because OH was, you know, my idea and because I always was filled with a bunch of ideas, people just kind of waited and was like, all right, Ron, what are we going to do next? And what's the next? Yeah, the of next course. Idea? Right. <laughs> um, and so that was cool because in the moment, because I was able to like get a lot of ideas, see a lot of ideas birthed. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. it wasn't sustainable. Right. I found myself burnt out a lot. Um, so I, I think. And I mean, this is kind of natural. You, you have an idea. It, it came from your, your 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 mind, right? So you're mm -hmm. the one who you feel like is best qualified to kind of run with that thing, and you just really want people yeah. to just help you carry that 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 the, those goals. Um, but now, uh, I mean, you know, voting and, and all those things is is important. But I I, I was talking to one of my uh, team members, and I was she asked me. A lot of people actually asked me. Why do I only go um, by the title executive director? Why don't I go by founder and executive director? And the reason why I would do that too, actually. Yeah. Well, the reason why is because I started a thing, I birthed the thing, and it's beautiful, but it it would have never gotten from there to now without people coming alongside of me and helping me carry that thing, right? And then even in some moments right. where I was burnt out, they carried it without me. Um, and so, yeah, I started it, but for me to say founder and executive director keeps the eyes on me as opposed to keeping it to the team, right? So whoever started it, right. they started it, God bless them because they started it, right? But it's the people who are keeping it going right now that um, are the ones who are really making the difference. Um, and so we, we try to take that, I try to take that idea I try to instill that in the team so that they understand that that's what they are helping me do is exactly what we're trying to help community members do, right? It doesn't yeah. I, always gets the credit. That's great. That's wonderful. We're just trying to help folks who come into this world with a dream, idea, somewhere they want to improve their station. How can we help you carry that to where you want to, you know? So, um, so yeah, right. so in the early years, it was kind of rough. It was... Um, you know, it was kind of short, a little bit short of a dictatorship, maybe. Um, but then understanding that how, you know, my, I matured to how can I build authentic community without having authentic community in the in the organization. In the organization itself. Yeah, yeah that it's it's it all kind of comes back to that. And I mean, there's a lot of interesting things you said there, but one of them that stuck out to me is that if you're taking that approach, it's almost like 
everyone becomes a founder in a way. Everyone becomes a founder of a different piece of it. And you probably get stronger leaders out of that, stronger ideas and more passion uh, when you have someone who feels like, you know, I came in and I started this piece of OH or I I helped us really get this off the ground. You know, that's kind of my baby in a way. That's kind of my thing that I really brought to the to the puzzle. Um, you have people wanting to, to stick around and to, to foster that and, and care for that. Whereas if it was just, um, you know, something that you were kind of, you know, mainly the, the driver of and, and kind of taking that extra credit, it kind of feels like, you know, even if I do leave OH, like, ah, Ron will be fine. He'll figure it exactly. out. You know, like he doesn't really need me in the first place. Right. right? Um, you, you kind of you might have people feeling that type of way. So that's a that's an excellent point. Yeah. And when it comes to, and I know we're kind of talking about 2013, 2014, whatever, when it comes to fast forwarding now and, you know, the 2020s over the past couple of years, um, you know, obviously, I I think with just the way the world has changed in the past kind of say three to five years, pandemic and otherwise, um, you know, how is how how is OH kind of. how has always kind of transformed maybe in the, in the past three to five years? Have you noticed any kind of changes in the organization, whether it's from the things you guys focus on or, you know, the type of people that you bring on to the team, you know, kind of what's going on now currently with, with the organization? Yeah. I mean, and this even kind of attaches itself to your previous question. Um, the pastor of the church I go to, he once told me that um, just in terms of leaders, right. He said, if you have to go to every meeting, if you have to be at every event, if you if you have to give input at, for every single decision, he was like, you're you're not raising good leaders, right? And so right. I've, I've, I'll never forget that because I even think about it in raising my children, right? Just trying to empower them to make decisions and understand consequence and things like that. Because I'm not gonna they're not gonna be 25 and I'm calling me like, hey, dad, my boss has asked me to do you know, and I'm coming to make decisions. <laughs> so so. Um, that's, you know, a big behind the scenes. That's a big thing that's changed in OH is that I've become more intentional about focusing on uh, the development of the team and making sure that whether they're with OH or whether if they go somewhere else, that they have the tools that they need to, to continue on that, uh, what they want to do. Um, in terms of programming, like I said, we started off community service and we shifted to community engagement. But even in those first maybe six years or so, uh, the community engagement was still kind of kind of wide, widely focused. Um, so we were doing stuff with uh, homeless populations. Uh, we were doing uh, stuff with um, shelters, the homeless populations who were on the street, were doing things with um, shelters, both youth and adult shelters. Um, we were doing some educational things. It was, it was really a really wide um, resource of programs that we were doing. So I would say in the last three years, what we've done is we've become intentionally focused on health and wellness in terms of food stability um, and youth mentoring in terms of um, college and career, as well as hands-on learning. Um, so again, before the, even mentoring, was really wide. We had a, a lot of programs that we were trying to do, a lot of things we were trying to do. But now I, I think that we found where we really want to uh, give our time and our passion to, and that is uh, just serving folks who are struggling and battling with uh, food insecurities. Uh, Philadelphia, similar to D.C., it's a very inter- interesting demographic 
Um, you hear people say a lot about like food deserts and uh, across the right. country. And there are some spots in Philly that are food deserts, but those spots in Philly, a lot of spots in Philly that aren't considered food deserts are um, suffer from inadequate, healthy uh, food options, right? So there is a store right. within a half a mile, but um, it doesn't it's a poppy options. store right. <laughs> or so, whatever. <laughs> so, so we really want to uh, focus on that. We've really been focusing on that. And we've really been uh, intentional about our work with youth um, even before these ridiculous, crazy numbers came up uh, with uh, gun violence and youth, um, we really were trying to um, capture kids at, as early as 11 and really try to still know what, what does identity mean? and How do you walk away from, from conflict and, and things like that? So, so our, our focus is really narrowed to those two things. Cool. That, that's, that's really, that's, that's pretty amazing because it's almost, um, you know, hypothetically, let's say if OH was put in, Sacramento, you know, some random other city on the other side of the country, the focus of OH might have shifted to suit whatever's going on in that, you know, that specific area. But because it's in Philadelphia, I think you attached yourself to two of the biggest issues in the city sure. historically and now, um, which are, you know, food instability, food insecurity, um, and, and also kind of like that, that youth empowerment development um, kind of aspect or piece that's, that's missing from so many different areas of the city. Um, and, and that really just kind of comes back to our, our original point of that's the power and being focused in a place of that you can really start to know it well and know what it needs and adapt to those needs as that changes. Because the, the things that Philadelphia needs today in 2023 might be different in 2033, yeah. right? And, and that's just that's that's kind of how um kind of how things develop but to to the the city and i'm glad you you kind of mentioned it on a, on somewhat of a, a larger scale when you look at the the city now um you, you know I'm, I'm assuming that you kind of live in and around the greater philadelphia area yourself yes, sir. and obviously your, your kids kind of grow up in the environment etc what do you see as um you know outside of, of of the two things that you just mentioned what are some of the trends or just things that you see that stick out to you about the city um, in, in today's world as, as you know, as you kind of, um, you know, just exist in it yourself? Man, I, I think one thing that really sticks out to me, uh, actually two things. Uh, the first is sure. a lack of, uh, a lack of knowledge about resources that are available. Um, I think, hmm. and, and, and now, and I'm not going to say, that there are an abundance of resources for every right, but I think that there are there are more resources available than people are aware of, or that people are willing to go after. Um, and sometimes folks um, get so acclimated to an environment, to their situation, that it's um, it's it's the the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, right? Is that, look, I've learned how to operate in this, in my community that has um, a lack of resources and the education is is disgraceful, but I've learned how to operate in it. And, you know what I'm saying? And, and my mom gets food stamps from over here. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we make a live, we make a life out of living in the mud. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Then sometimes we're just like, okay, well, and then we just pass that on from generation to generation. And it's like, listen, I'm not going to say that things are, you know what I'm saying, extremely better, but you know what I'm saying? You can do a bit better, right? There are a couple of things and some resources if you want. Um, so I think that's I think that's one. I think we need to, I wish that more people were aware 
of how they can improve their station. Now, again, I'm not um, saying that there's, you know, enough resources for all, right? I wish there were, right? But again, I think right. I, my day job is working with uh, black and brown youth and helping them achieve a college education. And a lot of the youth that I work with always say the same thing. Oh, I, I didn't even think college was a was a was a thing for me, right? Um, or, um, hey, I, I, I have to write a resume. Like, what's the resume look like? You know what I'm saying? So certain things that I feel like we can get into these, get into folks' hands earlier to allow them to be able to access these resources. So I think that's one. Um, the second thing I would say is that, unfortunately, there's a lack of bridge building uh, within the communities that I, I frequent. Um, especially in black and black and brown communities, um, so we streets war over. You know what I'm saying? You know, you from one street, you know they're warring, or you from one part of Philly, I'm, you from north, you from south, and they're warring. There's a lack of. There are a lot of ideas. There are a lot of organizations. There are a lot of people, you know, trying to do the work, but there's not a lot of authentic bridge building, community building, and that's the work that I feel like will transform the city. So the city's getting a bunch of money and they're throwing that at uh, gun violence and they're throwing it at food um, insecurities and things like that. But I think communities, as you mentioned earlier, are the ones best equipped to help heal themselves, right? But without that bridge building, without people understanding um, the necessity to come together and to, hey, I have this resource. And like we said earlier, making a sandwich out of what you have and what I have, and we're just going to continue to, um, to operate that way. OH operates in a couple of different neighborhoods that have real issue with one another, um, but we're wow. serving them both the same stuff. So I'm not sure what happened, where, but I just want you to know that such and such around the corner. Clearly, there's some similarity right. here. <laughs> and so, at what point in time can we have can we have some type of conversation so that because I guarantee you, if if there's more, and people use this word a lot, unity, but if there's more bridge building between your community and their community, there would be a transformation in this part of Philly right here, right? So I think, and I think any um, any change that we desire to see is not going to come without bridge building. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. And I think yeah, I think that that kind of highlights the importance of working on a smaller scale. I mean, t getting down to the street level of, you know, why is this area that's only five minutes away from this area? Like, why? Why isn't it a bigger community here? Why is it kind of smaller and isolated? Yeah. And you kind of start to peel back the layers there of like, oh, OK, this is why. And well, you know, maybe people are are offering resources and opportunities to this you know general area. But if these if if, if if it's not people coming to the table to, to accept them together and, and being willing to work together to a certain degree, like then you're all, you're just kind of going to you're kind of going to be stuck at that baseline, right. you know, for longer than you have to be. Right. You're going to make things harder. And I think, you know, as um, as a black man growing up in, in and around Philadelphia for most of my life, you kind of do to, to and this kind of goes back to your early point as well. You see some people um, either whether it's through a lack of knowledge or a lack of willingness you make life harder on themselves sure. and life is already hard enough. Right, 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 <laughs> you know? right. So it's like, why not find these easier ways to, 
to overcome certain obstacles. And I definitely see that as well. Um, you know, I think both of your points are, are very well taken with me for, for sure. And it's interesting. Um, I'm sorry. It's interesting because we can't even, you know, we both agree on it. Right. But in a lot of spaces, you can't even say that, you know, you can't even say like, Oh, no. you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a lack of knowledge or a lack of willingness, you know, for resources, blah, blah, blah. And people are just like, what? No, there is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> a riot. Exactly. like, no, I, I don't right. have what I need. It's like, well, you know, in some ways you do, or, you know, you, these things are available and it's not mm -hmm. maybe exactly what you need, but it's a building, building steps. To, yeah. So building blocks to where you need to go. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I mean, and that's what I mean by building bridges. Uh, it's just, you know, bridge building creates more conversation, uh, which is needed. But a lot of times people are hesitant with conversations because, again, they've become so um, used to their situation, right? And I mean, sometimes I'm subject to it. I'm a black man, I'm from DC, I'm from the mud, right? So in certain parts of the city that I'm walking in, my demeanor is different, right? Because it, it starts Absolutely. to kind of devolve back into, you know what I'm saying, who I used to be <laughs> yeah. or who I was. And so I mean, it's, it just it's gonna take work to, to change that, to break it down. insular right like you're like okay i've i've learned what i have to do i've survived this long so i'm not about to you know sure. change to to go to something else and it's and i also think is when you i think there's a big thing to be said about stepping out of your community as well and looking at it from an objective point of view that i think a lot of people sometimes struggle with um you know somewhat maybe to their own fault but but also just just based on the, the conditions that they grew up in it's hard to do that because you've never been outside of that so when someone comes in, you may be from the outside, you look at them as an outsider, you look at them as a quote unquote, you know, foe or enemy or whatever, when in reality, they're, you know, they're, they're just trying to tell you a, a different perspective that you may not be recognizing. Oh, sure. um, so I think there's a lot to be to be said for that as well. But now kind of moving to and, and this is kind of organizations or nonprofits on a larger scale and. You know, it, it was kind of something funny because I was telling someone that I was going to I was interviewing you um, and they weren't saying this about you specifically, but they were just saying this about nonprofits overall. And they were like, oh, I hate nonprofits. And I was like, why? Wow. <laughs> you know, from, from, wow. from my from my from my perspective, I was like, they're nonprofits like it's it. The name kind of tells you like what they're, somewhat right, of right, what right, they're right, on, right. you know, kind of tells you about some of what they're looking for. So I looked into this because um, I, I just kind of interested me. Um and I think there's a lot of criticism that are, are is kind of purported or, or, or thrown at nonprofits uh, for a lot of different reasons. You know, some of the things I, I saw of like, you know, you kind of, not you, but <laughs> nonprofits sometimes exploit those that they're trying to help or, yeah. you know, they're, they're not really uh, uh, they don't really care about the well-being of the people doing the work or they're not actually trying to solve problems. They're you know, they're they're more kind of uh, they have a vested interest on watching these problems continue so that they also they, they never become obsolete themselves. They're always going to be there kind of helping the community, but never changing it, right, right. just kind of helping it. Right. Doing that that transactional stuff. So some of those things we've already talked about, but, you know, you're kind of a, on the smaller end of nonprofits. Right. You're not the Red Cross or right, you know, right, yeah, some yeah. of these larger multinational organizations that maybe some of these 
um, uh, some of these criticisms apply to, how do you view kind of the nonprofit world um, and for lack of a better term, some of the shystiness <laughs> that might exist in the nonprofit world. You know, what have you kind of seen in your, your 10, 10, 11 years of, of kind of, uh, doing this from a nonprofit perspective? Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because not too, it's funny you asked that not too long ago, I was, I was talking to a good brother. Um, and I was saying that, uh, it, it annoys me to know, it pisses me off, um, that a lot of people from large, um, nonprofits to smaller ones, have kind of begun to make uh, the nonprofit sector like a um, almost kind of like its own like Hollywood, like you know, like it's just kind of a who's right. who in this celebrities in this work. And I think that if there's celebrities in nonprofit work, we have a problem, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so because I don't care what somebody's doing, nobody is reinventing the wheel, right? Like. Mentoring is mentoring. I mean, it, you know, you might rap it in something that looks real cool, but it's mentoring, right? And at the core, if you're not teaching these kids something, right, then it's you're not doing anything in my book, right? So, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen, well, let me back up. I've seen some nonprofits who do it beautifully. I've seen some, I've seen some nonprofits who really focus on uh, the community that they serve, um, that they're really intentional about partnership with the community and inclusive about welcoming people to the table and, and, and trying to really make impact that makes sense for where they are. Um, but again, to your point, I've seen uh, nonprofits who it, it's money, it's money in the intending to the symptoms, not the cure type of nonprofits. Right. And, and they um, solely are focused on, doing things at a very like base level so that they can get their paychecks cut. Yeah. Right. And then that's it. Right. And unfortunately, I mean, you can, you can tell those for me, I tell those types of nonprofits um, by the work that they do um, and by how intentional they are about being inclusive. Right. So, you know, like you said, we're a smaller nonprofit. Our impact is huge though. And I, tried to reach out uh, in person to a couple of nonprofits that weren't, that aren't too much bigger than us, uh, but are a little more known around the city. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, I went up to one the founder of a, a nonprofit that will re mm -hmm. remain anonymous. And um, I tried to say something to him, you know, it was an event, everything had kind of cooled down or whatnot. People were leaving. So I walked up and said, yeah. Hey brother, and uh, I guess his entourage or homies or whatever was like, oh, 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 we don't do that. I'm like, what, what you mean we don't do that? Like, <laughs> you just sat here and talked to these youth about, you know what I'm saying, squashing beef and this, that, that. What you, like, and again, like, my, my thought was, bro, don't put your hands on me. Like, none of the, but again, like, <laughs> you know, like all these, all these things were kind of like, hit me at once. I'm like, what's going on? So, yeah. Needless to say, I've never put myself in that situation again. Um, <laughs> but and I, I when OH, um, not when we first started, but kind of in the early years, um, I reached out to folks. Hey, listen, this is what we're trying to do. Um, I know that probably yeah. like five blocks on the street, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Just wonder if there's any overlap that we could talk about. Um, nah, I'm cool. We okay. You know, like no partnership. All right, cool. So now, now uh, OH, you know what I'm saying? We've 
we've got we're in the running, right? We're doing good work, and now those same people are reaching out, like, hey, we, you know, we just try to do this thing. So that overlap that you right, mentioned, right, right, right. <laughs> and so hey, right. I've never been the type of person, yeah. and OH has never been the type of organization that cares about whose name is biggest on the banner, right? But when we get in these spaces and we're in these rooms where a lot of nonprofits, <clears throat> that's that's the conversation that they're trying to have before we talk about like programming and whatnot. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm good. Um, wow. And it's unfortunate because the only people that suffer is the community members that we're supposed to be helping. Um, and then we right, have folks exactly. like your friend I mean, who are skeptical of nonprofits. Right. And, and that's, that's, and that's the most insidious part of it because that friend that I'm, I'm talking to, I know they put a lot of hours and time into a nonprofit and then they kind of saw like probably some of the things that were going behind the scenes. And I think it really, change their perspective on it of like no hold on a second you know we're, we're at a nonprofit and our ceo founder guide whatever you want to call him is is you know driving a mercedes what's going on here right. like, something something is there's a disconnect right. here I'm, I'm a little confused by that don't worry don't worry congregation right. it's, it's just a lease it's just, it's a, just lease. a lease <laughs> But but yeah, you know some of these uh, some some of those things can have a, a, a definitely an um, an indelible negative effect on on the way people um, view them. Um, so it's 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 not something I was privy to before I started looking into nonprofits as a whole for this very conversation. Um, but now, kind of you know talking through it with you even and seeing that you as a nonprofit have had those experience with other ones, you know that I think that just says a lot right there. Um, <clears throat> But to to end on a more positive note, <laughs> you know, when you look at uh, when you look at the year ahead, now we're almost you know we're almost through February or through January um, now. Excuse me, going into February, what do you what do you kind of see? Cause I, I know you were kind of saying this, you know, not necessarily looking at the five year plan, but staying in the moment, maybe looking at the next day, the next week, sure. you know, the next month, kind of looking at that scale, and then having that gradually become the next year and then and the next five years, whatever. What what are you and and kind of some some of the things in terms of that are coming up now or, or that are pretty close uh, uh, for OH, what's, what's going on? And, you know, let's say like the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Yeah. Well, um, for January, we actually, uh, we take off in January. Well, everybody with me, um, but, um, <laughs> and that's because we go so hard 11 months. Uh, I think people would quit on me if, if I didn't give them a, a month off. Oh, absolutely. Right? Just to kind of like yeah. refresh and, and, you know what I'm saying? And just, uh, just breathe again and, and recenter themselves to understand, to remember why they're doing the work. Um, and if for some mm -hmm. reason they want to do the work in a different way um, or different space. Mm -hmm. uh, so February starts our programming. Um, so I'm excited because we're uh, mentoring starts back up. Uh, it's group sessions, in-person group sessions. Um, and that work is, has really been powerful um, because the, Young people in those sessions, uh, we meet week every week on Thursdays and we do stuff from homework help. We have homework help. We serve dinner because a lot of our kids aren't getting uh, a, a meal at home. And then we have a discussion on the topic generally surrounded on identity and self-respect. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to get back to that work. A lot of those kids, young people. Uh, where they were when they started the program is not where they used to be, right? And so we have this one uh, young man who, when he first came, he would have his hood over his head. You never saw his face. His head was straight down. 
And when he answered questions, he'd just be really soft and you'd have to, everybody have to be quiet to hear him. And now my man got his mm-hmm. curly hair out, earrings and the bling and the, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> um, That's cool. So I'm excited to start that work back up again. And we do that for the whole year. Um, and then we, last year, at the end of last year, we started a photography program that Jeffrey actually is running for us. Um, yep. And I'm really excited about that to be able to help these young people learn how to tell their story, right, in an artistic way. Um, at the same time, teaching them a, a skill that they can use in the future is really dope. Um, and at the end of the program, we're actually going to put on a, a photography exhibition, right? Um, like an art exhibition. Cool. So to be able to display their work, help people understand the story that they're telling. And again, you know, the program is just a creative way to teach young people about healthy expression, to teach, to teach young people about themselves and that they're valuable and that their voice matters, right? And so I'm excited. I get excited about the work that we do with young people because um, the world that young people are growing up in right now is not the world you and I grew up in, right? Um, and so learning how to navigate that, having people to help you navigate that is very, very important. Um, so we're doing that. And then um, we're also, I, I mean, Again, I can talk all day about our programs. I'm trying to like tailor myself, but um, we have a, a mobile food pantry. Um, and so I'm excited mm-hmm. about that because last year what we would do, folks would sign up, uh, we would pre-make the bags and then we would deliver the bags each month to the homes, right? Which yeah. was cool. We got a lot of thank yous. But again, just thinking through how are we empowering people how are we making sure that people still have their dignity? What we're doing this year, starting this year, is people will have almost kind of like a, a shopping online experience. So our pantry our pantry pulls up on the block. People can order exactly what they want. We'll make the, their grocery bag right there and then deliver. So that way you don't they don't have somebody else picking what food is coming into their house. Maybe they don't want rice or need rice this month. Maybe they need some extra beans or whatever. Um, and so they'll be able to pick it and order it, and customize it, we'll drop it off. And so again, it's about empowerment, right? It's about making sure that people uh, leave our experience with their dignity. Um, so I mean, I'm just saying I'm excited about those things. Um, we have a bunch of things coming up, but I think those three things really have me ready to go. That's a... Um... I mean, all that is amazing uh, for, for one, especially the photography program. Jeffrey was telling me about that. And I was like, wow, that's that's really cool. You know, and especially as a, a skill like photography, I look back and I you know, have my degree. I'm in my career, et cetera, et cetera. I took that path. I look back and I'm like, man, if I had found photography or, or a way to to learn how to like turn something into a, a, a for, from a creative expression to a full blown business I can sustain myself with. Would I even have went to college? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a completely new lane sure. that opened up. That's amazing. And I see it now being older, but I'm like, man, I wish someone had told me about that when I was younger, kind of showed me that that was a route of like, even if you are going to do the college thing, let's say, you know, because you, you don't even have to be pigeonholed to do just one or the sure. other. You could do both. Yeah. You could, you know, have that um, be something that you that you do in addition. So, you know, starting that that early and starting that conversation early and showing what that could look like is amazing. But one thing that you said at the end, um, and I actually think about this sometimes from a uh, photographer's p- point of view, 
is capturing people with dignity for one from you know when it comes to photography but if you are going to help somebody in a you know in a way like how you are you know you don't have to look down on that person it's not that that person is it needs to be less than um you know they still have their pride they still have their self-respect that they want to maintain um and i think if you really care about that person and what you're trying to do you will help them to maintain that not strip that from them for sure. um so i'm, I'm gr glad that you um you know you mentioned that but thank you you know, wow. Seems like you have a, a great year coming up. Um, well, it's already gotten started. You know, now it's it's going to start in in um, in reality, I guess, for the entire organization, not just you yeah. in about a week or so when February kicks off. So, you know, best of luck to you as you um, as you as you go down that um, as you go down that path. That's that's amazing. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, look, if you uh, ever find you have the time, come on out. You know, we always love to have folks yeah. come out, talk to our kids. That's the great thing about our our kids, they always get excited when the new face comes in. It's almost like For sure. they realize like, yo, I'm, I'm worth something. Like people really coming in, like really, you know what I'm saying? Dropping mm -hmm. knowledge or whatever. So they really, they really enjoy that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, if you have the time, but I, I appreciate uh, you allow me on the nah, cast. sorry, I'm too busy. I don't think I'll be able to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, I gotta... <laughs> don't, just don't have your entourage push me off. That's all. Just don't have your <laughs> Because I don't understand. So you're going to have to clear my security first. <laughs> um, you know, I got to see if I can attend. <laughs> I'm like, bro, it's, it was 20 people here. Like, what are you? Come on, man. <laughs> okay. Right. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. But yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 looking forward to getting involved this year. After Jeffrey's been, you know, kind of telling me the stuff that he's doing. I'm like, man, I kind of want to do some of that. Like, I want to mentor somebody or, right, yeah. you know, get involved in some meaningful way. So, yeah, absolutely. Man. Sure. Ron Tolls of Ordinary Heroes. Ron is an awesome guy. <laughs> if that wasn't already clear from the episode, I just want to reiterate that now. He is a, a great guy. He's someone who's very engaged in what he's doing and is just solely focused on doing the work and doing it with a high level of integrity. And people like Ron just don't come around that often. I've, I've interviewed many people on the podcast and, and talk to even more people outside of the podcast just in my own personal life and and people who are so focused dedicated and just uninterested in publicity and fame and reaping rewards for their own self-preservation I mean that's it's it's weird <laughs> he is an unusual guy uh, but unusual in the best of ways and I encourage you to to check out OH check out Ordinary Heroes and the work that they're doing um, in and around the, the city of Philadelphia. It's it's really, really inspiring. Um, yeah, <laughs> not much more I can say than that. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode as always, and I'll catch you in the next one. Peace.